The Guardian. The Guardian has partnered with audible.co.uk to offer listeners a free audiobook when you sign up for a one-month, no-commitment trial of the Audible service. Audible has over 50,000 audiobook titles available to download. Go to guardian.co.uk slash audible for further details. I'm John Plunkett, and on this week's Media Talk, we cast our vote on the Select Committee report into phone hacking. We found News Corporation carried out an extensive cover-up of its rampant law-breaking. Its most senior executives repeatedly misled Parliament, and the two men at the top, Rupert and James Murdoch, who were in charge of the company, must now answer for that. In the view of the majority of committee members, Rupert Murdoch is not fit to run an international company like B-Sky-B. Dan Sabber talks to Adrian Sanders, the Lib Dem MP who cast the crucial deciding vote on the House of Commons Culture, Media and Sport Select Committee. Plus, we look at the launch of a new digital joint venture by the BBC and the Arts Council and take a peek at Bauer Media's new magazine, Wonderpedia. Also, he's been in the job less than a week and already the New England football manager is being given a rough ride by the media. Was the Sun's front page acceptable? And, aha! Alan Partridge is set for the big screen. This is Media Talk from The Guardian. First up, we turn our attention to the much-anticipated Select Committee report into phone hacking and News International. There were three standout conclusions, not all of which were shared by every person on the committee. Rupert Murdoch is not a fit person to run a major international company, it said. James Murdoch showed willful ignorance of the extent of phone hacking in 2009 and 2010. And three former News International executives misled Parliament, Les Hinton, Colin Myler and Tom Crone. The Guardian's head of media and tech, Dan Saber, spoke to committee member and Lib Dem MP Adrian Sanders, who voted with Labour to criticise Rupert Murdoch so strongly in the report. This report is not the end of the story. In fact, if anything, it's, it, it's, it's just contributing at the beginning of, of um, a long process uh, of getting to, to, to find out what the truth is. Your committee has become extraordinarily politicised, uh, uh, um, not just in the voting, but in the sort of day or two uh, following. I think even as I talk to you now, there's a sort of uh, full and frank exchange of views between Tom Watson and Louise Mensch on Twitter, civil of course, but nevertheless, uh, uh, they're clearly disagreeing about, uh, or, or Tom is clearly disagreeing with Louise's assertion that the the Rupert Murdoch point was only sort of put right at the last minute. Uh, what's the truth of it in your view? You... <laughs> I mean, in my view, the, the conduct of Rupert Murdoch, as I previously indicated, actually goes back to the Motorman Inquiry, of which I wasn't a member, mm-hmm. the uh, Privacy and Press Standards Inquiry, of which neither Tom nor Louise were members, uh, through to the inquiry on which they, all three of us were members. So... Um, I think it's been a theme that's run throughout and, it, and, and has to be when you're looking at the activities in some detail of an organisation that the people at the top um, have, to, have to be part of, of that consideration and, and be reflected in the conclusion. Do you think the committee's work has been politicised, though, or is this, I mean, is this a fact of life? I mean, I'm clear. Clearly been better if it was a unanimous report, but it isn't. Uh, well, does, that, does that weaken it? I think Louise Mensch said it made it almost worthless on Newsnight. Do you well, uh, think that's it, fair? That's a pity. And the, the, the fact is that, that, that all members of the committee um, say they agree entirely with the, 
decisions that were unanimous, which relate to the fact that uh, the committee and therefore Parliament was misled by three people we name in the report, Colin Myler, um, um, Tom Crone, uh, and, and Les Hinton. Um, the disagreement um, isn't actually about even um, management competence, because on that, uh, we, there was a division that was seven votes to two um, in relation to James Murdoch and his, and his competence mm-hmm. uh, that only two Conservatives objected to. So, so, that, so there wasn't a disagreement that the competence of the people at the top shouldn't be reflected in the report. It was only that, that, that final um, line that, um, that uh, Rupert Murdoch is not a fit person to exercise the stewardship of a major international company that the four Conservative members have disassociated themselves from. So the rest of the report, including um, um, the accusation of willful blindness, all of that stands and will have to be supported by those, should be supported by those four Conservatives when Parliament reflects on whether it was misled. Do you think Ofcom should do something about this? I think Don Foster from your party was sort of saying that Ofcom needs to sort of crack on with this sort of fit and proper test. I mean, do you believe that yeah, I mean, uh, I think do you believe not, that Sky? One moment. Do you believe that Sky News Court has failed this fit and proper test, or or, or how would you characterise it? What would you like well, to say? Well, not for me or Don to judge on that. That's for Ofcom. But I think Don Foster is right in saying that they they ought to to get a move on in in looking at this. Um, and you know, if you give a job to an independent body, then you obviously have to respect its findings. And if they come back and say something that's contradictory to to what we said in our report, so be it. Um, but that's a matter for Ofcom, not not actually for us. And strong words from Nick Clegg, I think, campaigning in Scotland uh, in support of you, I guess, and being critical of uh, uh, of Rupert Murdoch earlier this week. Uh, again, if it comes to it, um, uh, if Labour put down some sort of amendment to this motion of censure or or or, or, or whatever it is that you're going to put down to part, the committee is going to put down to Parliament, will the Liberal Democrats? support something that might divide them from the Conservatives when it comes to this question of, you know, news corporations, corporate governance and Rupert Murdoch's fitness and otherwise? I think that what Parliament will have to concentrate on is the unanimity uh, within the report, which is whether Parliament was misled. And I think any any amendments that detract from, from that, which was the, the, the basic purpose of the report, clearly... Um, it, it, it's not something I suspect that we would support an amendment along those lines. I think I think the real issue is, was Parliament misled? The committee unanimously said it was. Parliament is going to need to reflect on that and make a decision on that, and that will be the decision that, that, that stands. If there's an amendment that suggests um, that Parliament should take a view on the rest of the report, well, I have a feeling I will probably support that, but I don't don't think the party necessarily would as it as it is a coalition partner in government i'm a backbench mp not a minister you'd not have on to the say, payroll. sure but you, i mean you'd have to support your own report but you're saying you don't think it'd be a whipped vote in other words if if, if labor said rupert Murdoch wasn't a fit person you'd have to agree with that wouldn't you uh, uh, but perhaps the party wouldn't just to be clear yeah i think, I think that may, may well be the case so how angry is the committee this is very str- you're, you're sounding very calm and reasonable you're a calm, <laughs> calm and reasonable man i'm sure <laughs> But the, but the language in the report was really, really strong. And the criticism of Colin Meyer and Les Hinton and, 
uh, Tom Crone very strong and the, and, and the, and the corporate criticism very strong and uh, you know, one could go on. We were really surprised when we read the report how strong the language was. How serious a scandal is this? Um, parliamentarians um, uh, should not be uh, threatened and intimidated. And there were, um, there were muses that um, before the last election uh, that uh, if we went down a certain route, um, the news of the world might take us on. Indeed, they did take two members of the committee on and actually gave them a full-page spread. But Wh- Tom, which two members? Tom and Paul. Uh-huh. Tom and Paul. And they were, they were, I mean, I thought that was disgusting, how because they, they ripped into them because of the conclusions of, of a select committee. Uh, and you talk about partisan. I've never seen anything more partisan. To hear that uh, we could all be exposed uh, in that way um, was was perceived as a threat. To find out in the inquiry we have just undertaken, it came out during that, that we had been subjected to surveillance uh, by News of the World. Um, I think we actually toned down any of the sort of anger uh, that we felt, that uh, an organization felt that it was above the electorate, uh, that it was above Parliament, uh, that it had the right uh, to threaten and bully people elected by the people into uh, not finding against it for its own wrongdoing. Uh, extraordinary. So I'm not at all surprised that, that, uh, that, that, that our language is, is, is in that way. And I think it does reflect that there is going to be a change. Leveson is going to bring about change. And if we've achieved nothing else, because I don't think Leveson would have happened without our work, if we achieve nothing else, I think we are going to have a press in the future that the public will have more trust in. And that's a very valuable thing to have. Were you personally under surveillance? Were you aware of that? I wasn't aware of it. Either the person was very good at it. Mm. <laughs> or... Um, um, or, or I wasn't, um, uh, but we were told that that uh, in, in in it came out in the, in in the evidence oh, that uh, that we had all been subjected to surveillance. And 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 and, and what next? I mean, uh, is the select committee now exhausted by this topic? It sounds like you, I mean you had you had months of hearings. Uh, I think uh, we uh, are. I, I think that's very. I think we all individually are exhausted, and I and I, and I think some have have, have personally um, been been through the hedge backwards, and I, I really do admire greatly Paul Farrelly and, and, and Tom Watson, who've, who've paid personal prices for this that maybe the folk outside don't, don't realise. Um, and, and I respect fully also the, the, the Conservative members as well, um, although obviously not their conclusion on, on, on that, final parag- on that mm-hmm. particular paragraph. And, and lastly, what would you, how would you like to see News Corporation respond to your conclusions or your report? Now, that's a tough question. I, th- I, I, mean, I think in one respect, and maybe we have underestimated the changes that they're already undertaking in terms of the management and standards uh, board that they've set up, which I think is, is almost faultless in terms of what I've read about it. Um, the proof will be in the pudding mm-hmm. uh, as, to, as, as to whether um, anything like this ever, ever occurs again. One hope, hopefully not. I would hope that they would take it on the chin in the same way that they have expected thousands of victims of their um, um, uh, 
way they have uh, described and revealed people's lives uh, have been expected to take it on the chin also. Nobody is above criticism, and certainly nobody should be trying to bully and intimidate elected members of Parliament. Dan Sabber there, talking to Lib Dem MP Adrian Sanders. I'm joined now by Media Guardian reporter Josh Halliday and Helen Zaltzman, one half of the Sony award-winning podcast Answer Me This. Now, Josh, just before we leave the Select Committee report, Adrian Sanders was particularly exercised there by the surveillance that members of the committee were put under by the News of the World and the treatment doled out to two of the committee members, Tom Watson and Paul Farrelly. It's really significant, actually, that Adrian Sanders has come out about this because um, in many ways he's the, he's the most mild-mannered man on the committee. He's the only Lib Dem on the committee, and yet he was the kingmaker in this entire report. Um, and the, it was a report that didn't touch on um, at all uh, on the surveillance of MPs, um, which Tom Watson had, had carried as a crusade almost um, through various uh, hearings uh, earlier la- later last year. Um, it's crucial that Sanders has commented on this because as a Lib Dem, uh, he's taken it out of Labour hands and uh, made it a broader issue, um, which... Who knows whether it will be taken up by um, the Leveson inquiry. I imagine it will fall into that bracket, but I certainly think it's, it's, um, it's very significant that uh, Sanders has commented on, uh, on surveillance, even though he wasn't one of the MPs apparently surveilled by uh, the News of the World. And that was one of four um, areas that uh, Tom Watson identified in his statement after the uh, report was published that maybe we should look into in the future. Yeah, as well as uh, Bob Dylan's uh, lyrics. <laughs> they were wildly ridiculed by his Tory colleagues. Now, there was a split on the committee over the criticism of, of Rupert Murdoch. The four Tory MPs voted against it. The five Labour and one Lib Dem, as we know, voted for it. But that split has since become a, a gaping chasm on Twitter, mostly between Tom Watson and, uh, and Tory MP Louise Mensch. Louise Mensch was really strong about this in the press conference following the release of the report. And I think it's it's unfortunate that the report has been plunged into this um, political infighting because 95% of the report was voted on unanimously by all the MPs, including um, trenchant criticism of three News International executives, Colin Myler, Les Hinton and Tom Crone. That, I think, is in danger of being overlooked as uh, everyone focuses on this political infighting. Um, but... As Sanders said there, in um, it, News Corp will have time to pour over this report and it really is um, a damning verdict on, on their cooperation with numerous inquiries over the years into phone hacking and the, the cover-up of that, um, uh, that behaviour. Helen, there's been lots of criticism of, um, of Louise Mensch on, uh, on Twitter, which hasn't exactly been using parliamentary language. Uh, no. The good old internet trolls, eh? It's not all been criticism, John, because some of them have been going, you would though, wouldn't you? Which uh, is right, yes. high praise indeed. It's so it's so sad, isn't it, that it's still the case that it would either be, yeah, but she's fit though, isn't she? Or, oh, she's a dog, rather than actually responding to what she does and uh, what she's like. Another thing I thought as well is Tom Watson's got this book coming out right now, hasn't he? That, he has indeed dialed in for Murdoch, did, yes. Why didn't, he, why didn't he wait? We haven't seen what the end is yet. <laughs> well, maybe for the paperback edition. Ah, good point. <laughs> well, all the latest on the fallout from the report and everything Leveson and phone hacking related at mediaguardian.co.uk. Time now for some of the week's other media news. And we start with the return of this man. Now it's time for Alan's facts of the day. Crab sticks do not actually contain any crab. And from 1993, manufacturers have been legally obliged to label them 
crab-flavoured sticks. Another one of those, same time tomorrow. Yes, Alan Partridge is back, bigger than ever. Well, bigger because he's about to be on the big screen with a film adaptation which has been long mooted, finally about to happen. Uh, Helen, are you, are you uh, excited or appalled by this prospect? Uh, I was a bit frightened when I first saw it because I thought, oh no, firstly, who's ever seen a good film starring Steve Coogan? I've sat through the whole of Hamlet too. <laughs> well, <laughs> that was rough. Yeah, you're a better woman than I. <laughs> I am in, uh, in many respects, uh, but you're a better man. And uh, another thing I thought was... This character really works well in short form, as we see in the Foster series, and then before that, you know, 28 minutes of television. Do you really want to spend an hour and a half or more with him? But on the other hand, I do trust Armando Iannucci not to make it rubbish. So I think if any comedy character can make the transition to a full-length film and it not be rubbish, it will be this. But it, it could be overextending... The partridge effect, could it not? Because Josh, yeah, Armando uh, Iannucci, as you mentioned, he he did the uh, he took uh, the thick of it onto the uh, big screen with uh, with um, in the loop. Mm. Uh, what do you make of it, Josh? Are you looking forward to it? I'm really looking forward to it. I've not looked forward to a film like this in uh, as long as I can remember. Actually, the one thing I'm quite since Marley and Me. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly since but Twilight Four. I, can you imagine Steve Coogan doing Alan Partridge for an hour and a half on the big screen? It, it troubles me. It he's a changed me. man, isn't he? He's, he's, he's completely different to the man that appeared in Mid Morning Matters. Not, not you know, he's been sidetracked by the Leveson inquiry. He's turned into a very serious person. Oh, this um, is Coogan you're talking about, not Partridge, right? This I'm is Coogan, right? Yeah, this is the, this is the real man. Yeah. Star of Newsnight. <laughs> Carry on. That's yeah. right. Um, but as well, Partridge is returning to TV with um, the Mid Morning Matters series on Sky Atlantic as well later this year. So that's another thing to look forward to. But to be honest, I can't wait for it to come into the cinema. I think <laughs> it's a long time coming. Mid Morning Matters. They're the online episodes that are going to be reversion for for TV. They were brilliant. Yeah, they, they were on the they were on the Foster's website, and I thought they were six minutes or whatever. They were of, of absolute genius. They, they didn't um, detract anything from the TV. I didn't think. So stick fifteen of them together, and Josh will be happy. <laughs> well, I mean, the the Inbetweeners movie that kind of. Um Gave a lie to the idea that that uh, you know sitcoms can't make decent films or yeah, certainly successful films. It, it was yeah, it was a successful film. Was it cinematic? I'm not convinced. It seemed like a long episode, uh, but it was it was perfectly enjoyable. John, I'm just hoping this film isn't rubbish because that would be very sad. Because considering this character has been going for 20 years, it's remained remarkably great. And uh, uh, I have to mention Anton Deck in Alien Autopsy, one of the, the less successful uh, big screen adaptations. <laughs> and the forthcoming uh, Keith Lemon film, that's uh, frightening as well. Is that how it wasn't aware of what? that? I don't know if you've seen the trailer, but it's uh, quite ripe. There's oh, a no. large amount of ejaculate in it. Oh, wow. Well. Yeah, strong stuff. <laughs> they could be a media talk first. <laughs> uh, well, talking of launches, uh, there were two of those this week, one of which was described by BBC Director General Mark Thompson as like whales mating. Uh, this is The Space, a joint venture between the BBC and the Arts Council England to do for the arts what Sky Arts does for the arts, but uh, without having to pay a subscription and with rather different content, so um, not actually much like Sky Arts at all. Uh, anyway, The Space is going to be on mobile, online and on TV. I'm beginning to sound like a BBC trailer. And will eventually feature hundreds of hours of content, including the Cultural Olympiad, the London 2012 Festival and the, uh, the Edinburgh Festival as well, amongst much else besides. Um, Helen, what's not to like about the space? Oh, I don't know yet, because there's not that much on there. There's uh, 30, all 37 Shakespeare plays in different languages and Ridley Scott's first film and what everyone's most excited about, John Peel's record collection. Oh, yes. And because there are so many, there are only 100 at the moment that you can browse, but it's still very exciting to look at some shelves and be able to play with them as if they're real. And usually I hate websites where it's, there's too much visual because they can be so slow, but with this I think it is pretty cool. And everyone's excited as well because it turns out John Peel had an AHA record in his collection. Correct? 
and all Shakespeare plays, or I think uh, one in each 37 different languages, I yeah. think that's right, isn't it? So they're unlikely, sure to appeal, uh, unlikely to appeal to uh, the same person, for instance. I suppose so. They're spreading thinly. And do you think they'll put uh, the rubbish plays in uh, very obscure languages that hardly anyone uses? I think they might well do. Josh, this is also going to be on Freeview HD. Um, now, everyone loves to have their content on their smartphone and, and on demand, but how important is it, you think, that this sort of thing is, is sort of rooted in you know, old-fashioned linear TV? It's exactly the kind of thing that the BBC should be doing, isn't it, really? I mean, they've, they've got this treasure trove of um, content that people will devour for how long, who knows, that'll... Uh, that'll be decided when it's released. Um, but it's important that people can get access to the inf- this information because they, you know they pay the license fee. They're entitled to whatever the BBC has. It shouldn't be um, uh, the BBC shouldn't be in its ivory tower you know, con- trying to control all this um, brilliant content. Um, I love how the um, hip hop star Jonesy D. Have you heard of him? That's right. Is it Saddle as well? I believe. Is it Jonesy D. or is it Jonesy D.? I've never heard it spoken aloud before this day. So <laughs> no, me you neither. Can, uh, you can create. But he puts it best, I think, when he said, this is a really good way of being able to not pay for some brilliant art. Yeah. <laughs> it's how we should all see it, frankly. This yeah. is the future. Everything on the web should be free, frankly. Well, this appears to be the way it's going. And the BFI are thinking, well, if people are watching on YouTube, they might as well, uh, we might as well take some art council funding for it. And uh, if you've ever been on their YouTube channel, it's a good way to waste an afternoon. There are a lot of very entertaining <laughs> newsreels from the 50s. On the Arts Council site? Uh, on the BFI uh, YouTube. So they're, they're all oh, uh, wow. in the space as well. Uh, I should add that when Mark Thompson described it as whales mating, that was a reference to... Um, Louise Mench. Ha, 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 ha. Topical. No. Yes, thank what? you. That was a reference to the size of the BBC and the Arts Council, you see. So they used to be described as 800-pound gorillas, but clearly, uh, clearly times have moved on. Uh, now, whales mating may or may not feature in Wonderpedia, which is a new magazine aimed at engaged and educated male consumers. Uh, it's coming from Bow Media, which uh, coincidentally also publishes FHM. Um, Wonderpedia, a great title, promises a voyage of discovery to further your understanding of the world with a mix of history, world events and technology. Um, now, Josh, is this the sort of magazine that's going to appeal to you? It sounds absolutely god-awful. <laughs> <laughs> Good on Bauer for launching a new magazine, but this sounds absolutely atrocious. Good on them. Are they mad launching <laughs> well, yes. a new magazine? I know. They've, they've got the balls to launch a new magazine. Um, the cover of, the cover front page, do you see that? It's, it's this gives no- us some clues as to, as to what, what sort of thing's going to be in it. Carry they have on. a picture of a pharaoh and, and under the question mark. The world's greatest cover-ups. Now, what what are they suggesting by that? What what is to be revealed in this new in this first edition? Well, um, <laughs> I don't think we're all going to be rushing to the paper shops to buy this. <laughs> it also poses the question: When will Los Angeles explode? Oh, uh, and the hidden healing powers in your body. So I, I get. I think it's like a sort of male version of Chat Magazine. Am I on the right lines? <laughs> it doesn't have any tips for reusing plastic bottles as a oh. beauty aid, does it? Issue two still to come. <laughs> but the thing is, they're, they're putting in one million into just marketing this. Uh, but it's essentially, isn't it just when you go browsing on Wikipedia and you get linked through to a lot of quite randomly connected things and they've put this in a magazine, it seems very retroactive, doesn't it? Well, Josh, yeah, I paraphrase a bit, but you suggested it was um, sort of brave to, uh, to, to launch a new magazine. I mean, this, uh, this sounds like the sort of thing that was made for, a, for a, you know, a tablet or a smartphone where you can uh, mm. interact and look at video and audio and, rather than... And update it more than a once pages. a month. Yes, indeed. Mm. It's a very static format now, isn't it? It's very aged, and I think if, as you were saying, um, such a variety of content, you, you you're just going to want to be on the internet the whole time, finding out more about certain subjects. Yeah. You know, if it has a certain angle to a story that you want to explore further, you can't do that through the pages of a magazine. You can okay. only do that through a tablet, smartphone, or the internet. What is it 
doing? I mean, it sounds like a cross between the Reader's Digest and the National Geographic, but hmm. not... Oh, you're making it sound better. I like Am it I? It's yeah. perfect for the over-90s. I don't know whether you saw the Wonderpedia cover lines um, Twitter hashtag with people suggesting great cover lines for this oh. new magazine. See, one um, million marketing, not needed. You don't need it, do you? Just let Twitter do it for you. Um, once Twitter user, at Imperia, suggested... Duvet, the great cover-up. <laughs> <laughs> Two pays. <laughs> and any more from Twitter? Um, Ollie Franklin suggested, do dead robots come back as holograms? Right, yeah. That, that yeah. One for the third edition, perhaps? Yeah, that's got me thinking. Well, uh, <laughs> you going to subscribe? Uh, yeah, I think I will, yeah. Certainly, yeah. Uh, I certainly look forward to the preview issue. We should, uh... They're giving away 200,000 of them for free, so just get in line. Well, I look forward to that. Um, now, talking of FHM, as we briefly did, we turn to another lads mag, uh, Loaded, which has seen its circulation tumble since its 1990s heyday. Uh, not enough cover lines about cover-ups, probably. In fact, not really covering up anything at all. Anyway, the, the former IPC mag has been bought from uh, has been bought from administrators by Paul Baxendale Walker, uh, a chap you may not have heard of, but is a, a multimillionaire businessman, chat show host. It says here tax advisor and uh, occasional director and star of his own adult movies and uh, no we're not making this up uh, josh is this uh, this this is either the ideal man to rescue loaded or or it's the uh, it's the end of this particular lads mag as we know it oh, i don't want to sound like a miserableist but this is this is a horrible fit for the magazine i think um, i mean it might turn it into a, a completely different um, magazine lift it out of its circulation plummeting that's been in for months um, but who knows? I think as uh, is uh, looks likely to come down the line in the next few months, there's a, an opt-in filter for online porn. Um, it'll be interesting to see what that does for for uh, lads mag sales, as you know, because they that really has, could be the, the online saviour for uh, magazines could, of a certain shelf. Well, it's demolished. It's demolished the the entire uh, you know business model and nature and re and um, uh, justification for mm. lads magazines, which frequently featured um, you know pages and pages of naked boobies where, which you can get online now at the clicks of a mouse for free rather than £3.95 a month um, who but, knows you know what that will do and who knows what um, this porn star will turn the magazine into but he said uh, he's seeing the magazine as a kind of a a gateway to get people to go online and pay money to look at his various adult websites so maybe that is his sole it's a shop window plan. yes a shop window a, like a glorious Shop window, sorry, I'm just brains, brains <laughs> farting. But uh, but also, um, I think, I haven't read Loaded for about 15 years, to be honest, but I remember then, and obviously I wasn't its target market as a 16-year-old girl, uh, finding it actually a surprisingly good read and very entertaining with some really good writers. So it wasn't all just about girls in bikinis. And so if you take that humour away, then all you've got really is a more expensive uh, nuts or zoo, haven't you? So what's the point of it? Yeah, and as Josh suggested, I, know this is a, I think Loaded faces the kind of challenge or has faced the kind of challenge that, that, that Wonderpedia is going to be up against and that this sort of thing is, is, is much, is a, whatever this sort of thing is, is much better done online. Very different market, mm. I'm imagining. But then Peter Baxendale Walker, he has a lot of different professions, doesn't he? Apparently he was also struck off as a solicitor. He's a bit of a dilettante. And uh, he's also promised a higher proportion of glamour girl content. It's, it's uh, a higher Great. proportion. It's a bit like sort of a, a footballer giving 110, percent isn't it? There's only so much. <laughs> there's only so high you can go. Surely. Maybe they'll make some of the adverts more glamorous somehow. Yeah, they'll make well, them shinier. We wait and see. Uh, I shall uh, uh, flick through that the same week. Uh, possibly I'll flick, flick through um, 
Wonderpedia. We need to get him on the show, don't we, really? We need to uh, grill him live about this on air. He sounds an intriguing fellow with all his many interests. Yeah. And a savvy businessman as well. If he, if he genuinely is turning the print magazine into a shop window for his, his variety of colourful websites, then it, it could be an interesting way to proceed. Hey, what? why doesn't he get some real shop windows? There are lots of empty sites in the high streets. <laughs> well, Mr. Baxendale Walker, the, the, the invite's there. And finally this week... They call it the impossible job. No, not the BBC Director General, but the England football manager because of the level of expectation and the harsh treatment you can expect of the media. Roy Hodgson, the new man in the job, in case you didn't hear. Well, what do you mean it wasn't Harry Redknapp? Find out just how tough the media can be on his first day in the job uh, when a Sun front page declared, uh, bring on the Euros, which is an incredibly subtle reference uh, to the way uh, Hodgson speaks. The paper explained that this was because Hodgson was affectionately known as Roy due to his speech impediment. Now, uh, whether it's uh, whether he's affectionately known as that, I'm not so sure, but a, a quick look through the Guardian's newspaper archive, which um, tends to have every national newspaper the, over the last you know, 20 years or so, uh, threw up 13 references, so it's, it's not, a, not, not particularly common and, and certainly not, uh, not on the front page. Um, Josh, what did you make of this? Was it a pretty miserable start to the man's reign in charge? I think it was a, a very harsh start to the man's reign in charge. Um, no one knows him as this, <laughs> frankly. Um, it, you know, it was very poor taste, very surprising timing given the Leveson Inquiry and all the sensitivities around um, newspapers uh, stepping over the line. I think they were rightly criticised by the FA, although the Sun came out on Thursday and um, said the FA had, had a sense of humour failure. Um, Just a bit of fun. It's just a bit of fun, they said, and they, they and they brought uh, Jonathan Ross oh, on broad yeah. to be their to be their brand defender. Isn't uh, that great? <laughs> it's fine because we've got someone who says it's fine, who's also got a speech impediment. Wonderful work from the Sun. What yeah. did you make of it, Helen? Because we, we what uh, Jonathan Ross is uh, sort of, I guess you could say, affectionately known as Wassy, and that's that's what he calls yeah. himself who, on Twitter. But, well, uh, who made him call himself the bullies? <laughs> the bullies. <laughs> Well, what do you think? Oh, gosh. Well, I struggle to raise any interest in a football story, even if it is uh, picking somebody, uh, even if it is picking on somebody because of a speech impediment. I'd imagine that this man, if he's been elected to this position, is made of stronger stuff, to be honest. At least I hope he is. Well, it's not the the first lapse of bad taste, is it, at uh, the Sun? The the bonkers Frank Bruno uh, headlined a while back, which uh, Mm. they since apologised for. That's right. It it, it kind of suggests that the Sun has got Roy's cards marked from the word go as well, even if if England don't do too badly in in European Championships in the summer. Sounds like Roy's going to be ridden roughshod or ridden woofshod over by the Sun. (laughs) You're part (laughs) of the problem, Josh. I apologise for that. I was in bad taste and I retract that. Well, on that bombshell, I'm afraid we must leave it. And my thanks to Helen, Josh and Dan, and thanks to you for listening. You can leave your feedback on anything and indeed everything you've heard on the Media Talk blog or our Facebook wall. I'm John Plunkett, and Media Talk was produced by Peter Sale. See you next time. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.